1: What's good, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. Lacrosse classified right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Lax Class 225 is now in your ears. Don't be alarmed. Uh, Jake Elliott, Santino, Farah with you. And Tino. Welcome back to Lax Class, man. Uh, We record here on a Tuesday afternoon, which is kind of cool because there was Monday lacrosse in the National Lacrosse League for the fifth time in league history, I want to say. So it doesn't seem like we're all that disconnected from this past week's action. Uh, How's it going, my man? It's
2: going good. I do. uh, I got a little bit of tough news here. Jumbo, the pylons. Oh, no. No. Came to an end. Oh, no double overtime loss to some team that I don't know what their name is. Cause I don't check that stuff. Double O T double overtime loss in uh, the third and final game of the series. <clears throat> Tough one to swallow, but uh, you know, we're going to come back uh, better yep. than ever after we mop the floor of, Dob- of uh, Jamie Dawick's team. And then we're going to come back next season, refreshed, ready to go. And uh, the road to a championship. I'm not going to say it starts today because it doesn't, but, um, <laughs> we gotta get through Dawicks team first and then off season. But the road to the championship starts on day one of next season. I'm telling you, here first.
1: Okay. Well, I am sorry to to hear that, man. That's yeah, uh, tough. Tough, <laughs> devastating news for, for you. <laughs> and the pylons, um, I got some kind of good news to share, Tino. Uh I went into a, a little disc golf tournament. Over the weekend out there in Cultus Lake, a uh, little snow still on the ground, but they they put up a, a course on the actual Cultus Lake ball golf course, you <laughs> know, and uh, played a couple rounds out there. Man, I, I'm still recovering from this. This was on Sunday and I'm it's Tuesday and I'm still feeling the effects of upwards of 40 holes on, on Sunday, about 30, <laughs> 30 Thousand steps uh, on Sunday, Tino. You know, it was uh, it was a day, but tied for a respectable second place uh, in, Ooh. in the Cultist Lake Challenge. So
2: congratulations! That's Thank you very good. much. Thank you. Hey, very do much. they do they use? Um, I know, obviously, in in ball golf mm. or as the rest of the world calls it golf. <laughs> um, I know they use uh, golf carts. Obviously, you can drive around. Are there golf carts in uh, disc golf?
1: Well, here's the thing. If you're playing on an actual ball golf course and they've converted it into a disc golf course, then yes, absolutely. You can rent yourself a cart, hang your bag on a hook, and away you go. But if the cart, like the power cart, is not available to you, there are pull cart options available specifically for disc golf. Huh? What do you what? <laughs> I'll I'll send you a picture. Let's move on from that. What else going on? Did you have uh, yourself a good weekend besides the big polyline loss?
2: Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm I'm trying to like. It's so hard, honestly. Like, I have a hard time remembering even like yesterday. But now that we record on Tuesdays, having to remember that far back is is really hard. Uh. Yeah. I worked over the weekend uh as per usual oh i had the entire so uh jen babysits for a family here and there so like i got home from work and uh like she had had this uh, like a scheduled babysitting thing over over at these people's house but she was there until like 11 p.m Mm -hmm. which meant that i got to come home from work and i had the whole place to myself for like 12 hours it was uh, i mean i just played video games and like watched (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lacrosse, honestly, and like <laughs> ate junk food or whatever. I felt like I was in high school on like a Friday night. It was unreal, though. It was such a sick way to spend a Saturday night.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you really seem to enjoy yourself there. Um, Danny and I went to the peony forum on Saturday for what is, I think, essentially like I kind of looked the word up and I don't want to mispronounce it, but I probably will. Hui, Ai, which I think translates into, like, Indigenous New Year's. Is this the thing you went, like, live on Instagram yeah. with for yeah. a little bit? Yeah. So we did that, and uh, that was super cool. Like, there was, you know, kind of one half of the arena was, like, tables and shops and pop-up, different things. I got the most amazing, Danny bought me the most amazing pair of moccasin slippers you're ever going to see. I'll send you a picture of that along with my disc golf cart, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm actually wearing them right now. They're super awesome. And then, uh, yeah, you go into the other side, and they got drummers and singers and dancers, and it's just kind of a big celebration. And um, so I took that in for a little bit. Then Danny went and actually got a tattoo down on Commercial Drive after that. And then it was uh, lacrosse and, and UFC after that. Yeah, uh, Bones Jones, man. But uh, enough about all that. Uh, I mentioned I did watch some lacrosse, you know. Let's talk some lacrosse here on Lacrosse Classified. And let's tell the people, the classmates, who we have for a guest this week. If you haven't seen it yet, it is one Cameron Holding of the San Diego Seals, who, of course, took part in the big first-ever professional lacrosse game outdoors, Tino, down there in San Diego. and uh, But the other thing with Cam is he's also the coordinator for special projects for the San Diego SEALs. So Cam was working just as hard off the floor as he was on the floor as uh, the SEALs got the victory over the Desert Dogs. So uh, we'll talk about that here in mere moments in quarter number one and who we had the week that was Cam Holding coming up in quarter number two. Lacks class locks in quarter three. I'm turning the keys over to you as uh couldn't get the job done once again. Close, but two for three does not win you the parlay. And then uh week fifteen, who you got? Exciting winner of uh of week fourteen, which we will touch on here. In a little bit as well. So, big program. Thanks for joining us. EP 225. Tino, let's get into week 14 action in the National Lacrosse League. Again, just it doesn't disappoint. And I think it's only going to get better and better as these weeks keep creeping closer to not only the the trade deadline and the roster freeze, but playoff time is on the horizon now as we're not too far away. I can't believe it. But the game's just become a little more important and a little more intense and a little bit tighter and, and a little more physical. Like, it's all kind of starting to ramp up here.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you're seeing teams get more and more desperate because they have to be. Like, look at how successful standings-wise the the Philadelphia Wings were this weekend. In comparison to a team like Halifax, that you know, those are the two teams right now that are jockeying for that last uh, playoff spot in the East Division. Like we're we're seeing the desperation of these teams that are that are right on the bubble ramp up because it has to. They they need to play desperate lacrosse, especially those two teams, Philly and Halifax. Yeah,
1: and for Halifax, let's start there. They lose to Buffalo, who showed a lot of heart and grit, and determination, and all of it here from the band. It's going on the road into Halifax like a wounded animal, just decimated offensively on their roster. Guys playing in spots that they're probably not all that comfortable in. But I tell you, man, when you got number 48 sitting on your back line, like I can't imagine the confidence that that roster must get knowing that every single night Vino is going to give you a chance to win. And sometimes he's going to do even more than that. As he holds Halifax here to nine on the road. And like I said, a depleted Buffalo bandits just keep on winning lacrosse games.
2: The thing that I really like about this, this victory for the bandits is this, like you mentioned, just a decimated roster in terms of injuries right now, but They just bared down and found a way to win. And I mean, like they only have five guys on their team that scored, which I mean, uh, in the grand scheme, like it's not the worst thing in the world. I guess like by those odds, you have everybody on your offense. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Almost kind of putting the ball in the net. That wasn't exactly the case. Nick Weiss had a couple goals, but anyways, with Buffalo, we're used to seeing, multiple guys put up crazy numbers every single game in this game. It was, you know, uh, Ian McKay, obviously Dane Smith, uh, Nanda Coke had one. You're, you're just finding guys that are pushing this team over the edge, despite having so many guys down with injuries. Then you look over at the Halifax side of things and I mean, okay, this is going to, uh, this is going to sound really bad towards Halifax. I'm not meaning to, to shit on them by any mean, but you look at the guys that put up just average to below average numbers in comparison to, to how they should be performing. Uh, Cody Jameson only puts up one goal. Like that's kind of pedestrian for him. Um, what else? Just looking down the line. Jake Withers of the face-off dot. This is the first game I think we saw him look pretty pedestrian in, in the grand scheme of how he's looked this entire season. Clark Peterson doesn't get a goal. Uh, Eric Fennell doesn't get a goal. Austin Shanks only has one. I think that's the biggest difference between these two teams is you have a Buffalo team that is has just been demolished with injuries, but they still find a way to put together a, a well-routed performance for the most part, and they find a way to win. Whereas you have a team like Halifax that's on the bubble. They need to put up victories right now, and they have guys just kind of put up pedestrian numbers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, well, one guy that didn't was Ryan Benash, who gets 500 in the national Cross league. And congrats to Benny boy, who I think what, just the sixth player to do it Dane Doby is on the cusp he's at 499 Duchy will will do it if he hasn't done it already and and that number will kind of start to creep up a little bit but Ryan Banesh getting three in that game and, and getting past the 500 mark so congrats to him I think you know Eric Fennell what made him really successful early on in the Thunderbirds offense was just he was a wrecking ball an absolute wrecking ball in there. Banging bodies, rolling to the goal, picking up garbage. And I think he's gotten away from that a little bit. You know, as the scoring touch has increased, I think that has kind of changed in his game, and he needs to get back to that a little bit. I think there needs to be a little more jam on, on the right side of that Halifax offense as well. You got Shanks, Sniper, Randy, Distributor, Shooter. Um, Bushi, he will get to, to the dirty areas, but usually does it with the ball in a stick and Clark Peterson, a little bit of a perimeter guy as well. So I, I wonder if, if that is missing a little bit in, in the Halifax offense. And I know Theed is sitting there, but he's, he's on the other side. I just think you need a, a, a role player into that Halifax offense that doesn't care whether he even touches the ball.
2: Generally, I, I do agree with you. The only reason I'm a little cautious about that is we kind of saw that move get made by Halifax last year when they brought in Sean Evans. And not only did Evans not really play that much for Halifax into the playoffs um, and towards the end of the regular season and stuff, um, it kind of disrupted. I mean, like, that was a move that everybody was saying, yeah, like, do they really need another righty? That's
1: not really the type of player I'm I'm talking about, though, Tino. Like, I'd like to see a, a player like feed, but on the right hand side of the floor.
2: Do you, like, are, do you think that there's guys like that available? Like, I, I don't know. I don't really have any names like that that are, that are, that come to mind. And I think Evans is kind of like a crash and bang guy in a, in a different way than Dawson feed is. Obviously, the, the size is completely different, but. I'm just worried about the shakeup of this offense being maybe too much, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I just there need to be a little more desperation with with it being such an important game for Halifax and Buffalo kind of right there ripe for the pick in. And to compound that, the Philadelphia Wings have themselves a weekend and it started real early. And I'm talking on the clock here as 8.30 Pacific time on Saturday morning. Set your alarm and and wake up to the National Lacrosse League and (laughs) – I texted our third quarter sponsor after this game sent, you know, uh, one and only Mitch Jones. I said, somebody likes morning games. (laughs) (laughs) He goes big day guy, I guess. Big day guy. As Jonesy goes off for 14, including a sock trick, the wings offense has never looked better. 19 goals here against the riptide as they just kept coming. And. You know, Riptide only manufacturing 12 here against the Wings team. And another loss in the column here for, for the Riptide. But the Wings start the weekend off properly here. And they do it in fine fashion. Jonesy in on 14 of the 19 goals here.
2: This entire weekend, Mitch Jones just looked like a different animal. Like, he looks so refreshed in, in, in Philly. Let
1: me just say this, Tino, not to cut off your train of thought or your take here. but. NLL fact of the day. Somebody said, like, look at what Jones has done. I think it was Adam said, look at the last four games here for Mitch Jones, whatever it was, 12 goals and 26 assists. Well, he had the exact same amount of points in the previous four games with Vancouver, whatever the total was, 35 points in four games, one goal off or one assist off. But he had the exact same amount of points in four games with Vancouver that he had. With four games with Philadelphia, just putting that out there.
2: It's it's crazy how much winning changes the perspective, though, right? right? Well, yes, like, of course it does. Doesn't it? Like, w- would you do you disagree that that like would you say that he doesn't? In my opinion, he looks completely refreshed in this Philly offense. Uh, He's uh,
1: the absolute tonic that Paul Day was looking for on that side of the floor, and I think you know they kind of hoped Kyle Jackson was going to fill that role. It didn't pan out. Rambo and and Reardon are going to do their thing. Vitarelli is on on the back nine here, and they needed a number one. And they got it in Mitch Jones, and look at the difference. Everybody on that offense instantly becomes better because of Mitch Jones being inserted into the offense. Do you think – call me
2: an idiot if if this is the stupidest thing in the world, but do you think if Philly makes the playoffs – could Mitch Jones be in the running for MVP or do you I'm think not gonna it's call way you too idiot. late?
1: No, no, I'm not going to call you an idiot on that because if Philly does make the playoffs, it's probably going to be large in part because of what Mitch Jones does to get them there. And if he has that kind of an effort down the stretch here, the rest of the way, I think he can move himself into the conversation, but I think there's a number of other candidates that he's going to have some pretty stiff competition with.
2: Totally. It speaks, though, to to how impressive what he's doing is, though, that he's able to put himself into that conversation if this does all pan out with basically half the season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the, the other thought that I had about this game, I legitimately think New York is close to putting it together. This is another game where they put up double digits goals, which as we've heard before, that should be enough to keep you competitive in a game. And yeah, they're, they only lose this by, what is that? Seven goals. Like they are close, I guess. Um, but again, this is another one of those situations where in terms of New York, I think their offense can kind of say like. Hey, I had my guy. like I did my job, guys. it's it's the the rest of the team game that isn't there yet. And I think if they can add a couple more pieces, not necessarily the trade deadline because I think that would be kind of a waste if they if they look to buy at this trade deadline. But if in the off season and heading into next season, they can pick up a couple pieces to sure up their back end. Maybe that's a goaltender, maybe that's a couple stud D guys or through the draft or whatever. I think New York is close, closer than people think.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Feisty affair, too, hey? Couple scraps in this one, Noseworthy, and I want to say Shule and Kiernan and Shot going at it. it was uh, It was a pretty rough and tumble affair, but Philadelphia comes out on top of it, and like I said, they start their kind of weird weekend off on the right foot, as we'll go from... One coast of North America to the other, if I think Philadelphia, they're over there. I'll say that. <laughs> we'll go to San Diego, but we're going to Snapdragon Stadium, which is outdoors down there in Southern California. And, you know, we saw some pictures, saw a couple videos, but until it was like rolled out and just before we we kind of get going here like kudos to Joe Psy, Steve Govett Cam Holding, who we'll talk to you about this game a lot so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, Tino but to to have the vision and then be able to execute and and pull it off the way that they did was very very impressive and this is something that that Steve and his team have been working on for a long long time you forget you know, just before COVID, we were scheduled to be at, at Miramar on the aircraft uh, base. And that was going to be super cool. There was an idea to actually do the game on a beach and, and build a box on a beach and, and do it, you know. So this this vision, this idea of, of having a NLL game outdoors in San Diego has, has been one that's been in the making for, for a long, long time. And finally, it happens. And you know, leading up to to the week, there was a little bit of trepidation that the weather wasn't going to cooperate, which would have just been absolutely brutal. But thankfully, it did. It even got a little sunny um, into the second half, but it looked amazing. It was a great game, and and on top of that, it was a fantastic broadcast. Tino. You know? and you know, shout out to to Coop and and to that Ocello guy and and uh, Rain and and Chantel who did a great job on the broadcast. But I I think that the man that probably deserves the most credit out of everybody is is Joe Feld at the National Lacrosse League, who, you know, through his career has, has done some, some really big games and some big productions over his years with, with different networks. But this, this was a big, big undertaking a huge investment financially into some equipment and some, some cameras and some, some things that the National Lacrosse League has never done before from a broadcast standpoint. And a lot of things go into making that happen and, and for it to look and be successful. And it starts at the top there. And, and I just want to give uh, a big well done to, to Joe Feld and the entire team that pulled that thing off without a hitch in, in really tough conditions
2: yeah I, I thought overall like w- what a success this entire thing was. um uh, I the, the crowd was really good. I thought the crowd got got better and better and more engaged and and I mean, it wasn't like a sellout, but there was a lot of people there, man. and Over I thought thousand I thought they seemed enthu- like really enthusiastic. yeah, it was super scenic. Uh, I can't wait for the next one because there needs to be a next one. They have to capitalize on this, I think. And the location is going to be everything. You see my suggestion
1: um, on that? Did what's you, that? Sorry. Did you see my suggestion on where they should. Yeah. Didn't you see Bermuda? Yeah. Did you see the picture though?
2: I did see the picture. Yeah.
1: Um, pretty good. I think, I
2: think they should capitalize on this building rivalry between Panther city and Colorado. And I know that everybody wants to hear like the Colorado Calgary or the Saskatchewan versus anybody. Um, they, they want two teams that have like a historic rivalry that's gone back like a long time and two very competitive teams and so on. The games that we've seen this season between Panther City and Colorado have been unbelievable and i have no suggestion for a location because i don't know anything about anything but (laughs) if they can get two teams like that that clearly have this hatred for each other and i'm not just talking about hatred like jimmy quinlan hates vancouver and he's not sure why i'm talking about two teams that on the floor want to kill each other i think it would make for electric television and i don't think a lot of people when they talk about the next outdoor game i don't think a lot of people are looking towards panther city so maybe a hot take
1: i uh i think it was ashley docking on on the watch party which we'll talk about here in a minute too that suggested they do it in denver and do it at red rocks and then have a concert after the game
2: she also said she's anti-element, so she's like, Yeah, yeah, She, was she like, wanted
1: it to be like in yeah. like outdoor she, indoor. <laughs> she's probably not getting the assignment for the outdoor game anytime <laughs> soon after that take there. Yeah. Like yeah, it was great, but I don't like the, I don't like outdoors or I don't like the elements or whatever. anyway, so that was kinda of funny. Uh but yeah, well done to to everybody involved uh with, with the first ever professional lacrosse game played outdoors know oh and we got us we we would be angry at ourselves
2: also if we didn't mention the camera guy oh um, my goodness man what that did... was first of all hilarious <laughs> second of all like, I mean, Teddy tweeted out the whole thing. Like, A, I hope he's okay. Yeah. All the B, like, this is uh, whatever it was that he said. I forget. But, like, man, I hope that none of his camera stuff broke. Because the guy had, like, two cameras on his shoulder. Those things
1: aren't cheap either. <laughs> if you want to see that, Teddy tweeted. I, I was like, in our chat group, I was like, did I just see that? And they are like, <laughs> yep. And I'm like, somebody clip that, please, right away. Because it happened so quick. And when it was live, he didn't really... And we do hope the guy's okay and the cameras, they're not cheap. So hopefully everything's okay there. But I, like, I could not stop watching that.
2: Uh, I can't believe with, with Nick Ocello on the broadcast, I can't believe he didn't say something right. about it. Uh,
1: shout out to ladder guy. We we hope you're, you're doing okay. You're NLL famous now, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, and to top it all off, of course, Dino, you know, San Diego wins the game 15, 12, Vegas put up a, a pretty good fight in this one, but San Diego just a little bit better, and yeah, you kind of knew like San Diego's not losing this lacrosse game at home outdoors. All of that first place against expansion team, they and you know, like I said, it was pretty tight, but San Diego pulls away in the end.
2: Uh, yeah, I thought Vegas did a lot better than I thought. They continue to impress with every passing game. Landon Kells looked really good, yeah. and man, oh man. Do we have a goalie controversy in San Diego? Oh, yeah. whole who do you go with now?
1: You go back it's to, gonna be
2: Frankie next, right? Go, yeah,
1: you go back to Frank after that. You go back to Frank and give him one more good like here you go. This is your chance. be the guy everybody
2: knows by now that I'm a Canucks fan, so I know goalie controversies. <laughs> this is a goalie controversy.
1: <laughs> you know what wasn't a controversy that was absolutely spectacular is the Las Vegas coaching staff's wardrobes. Oh, my goodness. And the boys, I guess it was some sort of Elvis theme, right? The Vegas hold. And and all the boys were kind of decked out. But Willie and Sato took it to a whole new level. And... (laughs) I told that Robbie I said like make this permanent man. This is spectacular. He's <laughs> you know the yellow shades, the the silver mustache, and then the like the three quarter unbuttoned button cheetah shirt with the big lapel. Like it was unbelievable. So that, you know, and then and then the San Diego guys had their like uh neon stuff on. So it was uh it was a real cool sight to see and uh the home team comes out on top on that one. We're gonna talk to Cam Holding. About it all here in a few minutes from now, so stick with us for that. But more games to get through here in week number 14, Toronto and Rochester. Maybe the marquee matchup, but everything going on. You had morning lacrosse. You had Philly with a double-decker. You had uh, the outdoor game going on, of course. But there it was, the the big showdown between two of the top Teams in the East in Toronto and Rochester, and this one nip and tuck, and you kind of had a feeling that the two Orangeville goalies were going to duel in this one, and and that's exactly what they did. Nine eight Toronto, who really kind of played catch up the entire game here, and finally get over the hill in the fourth quarter and and sneak this one out. I would say over a, a game, Nighthawks team that gave Toronto everything they could handle.
2: Yeah. Corey Small's power play goal in like at the end of the third quarter, it it changed the entire tide. At that point, Rochester's up three goals about to be heading into the final frame. And then they give up that last minute power play goal. And Toronto just stormed back after that. They had all this momentum. Um I mean, you already mentioned both the goaltenders. Like, man, Rylan Hartley, unbelievable. 56, 56 saves, man. And that's
1: only been done like a handful of times. A 50-plus save performance. It's
2: unbelievable. This Rochester team, obviously, I know they lost. But, man, this Rochester team, I'm so impressed with. Yeah. Like, I should how, correct how myself,
1: Tina. That- you know, I should correct myself. Because I saw the tweet, and I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it's... There's been games where both goalies have had 50 handful of games where both goalies have had plus 50 save performances, but I digress. I digress. Okay. I just,
2: I, I love like reliving going into week one of the season and looking at the odds and seeing how far down Rochester was. And then here they are comfortable in a playoff spot towards the, like we're, we're almost at the trade deadline here We're we're almost in the final stretch before playoffs. And man, like talk about a, a, prove everybody wrong kind of story. Obviously, like I said, they lost this game. We know that, but just overall, this Rochester team is so impressive
1: to me. Yeah. It's amazing how just, you know, a couple of tweaks can change a, a team's future or, or, you know, path in, in, in the league, and and one of those, obviously, is Ryland Hartley being back and healthy because you just don't win in this league with your third-string goaltender. Like, it just doesn't happen. And then Connor Fields, obviously, being injected into this Rochester uh, lineup has made a huge impact for the Khawks and, and there they are, right up near the top, like Buffalo, Toronto, Rochester. And then you drop down a tier, and it's Halifax and, and Philadelphia. And then you, you go down a little bit further than that, and you'll find the riptide and – Swarm and Firewolves, who just happened to be playing this week, Santino. And uh, the rematch, of course, is Georgia beat the wheels off the Firewolves the previous week. Not so much this past week, but still the Georgia Swarm, two in a row now. But this one coming in overtime as guess who? de in OT wins it for Georgia, 9 8 in another low scoring game here in week 14.
2: Yeah, I think I can't remember who somebody said in one of our group chats, um, because we were asking last week about the decision to start Getty over, uh, over Doug Jamison. And Mm -hmm. I forget who that said um, it it was, it was basically to give Dougie a reset. Um, So he comes in, he starts this game and I mean, I think even though, again, another performance where we're, I'm talking about a goalie in a, in a losing effort, but I don't think you can say this one's on Doug Jameson 52 saves. And again, we talk so much about when goaltenders have 10 or less, you know what I mean? Like yeah. th- this is clearly one of those games. Like he gave his team a chance to win yeah, and under 10 Lyle goals
1: Tom- and plus 50 saves. You got to win yeah. that game for your goaltender.
2: It, it's an unbelievable combination for a goalie, but you know, when you get your team to overtime and then it's Lyle Thompson shooting at you, like, I don't care who the goalie is. I, I would give the odds in favor to Lyle Thompson there. So, um, and to be like honest to see... with you, Tino,
1: you know, I, I don't even know if I buy the whole giving Dougie a reset thing anyways. Like I, I don't know if I buy, I don't know if I'm buying what, what the professor's selling right there. If you know what I'm saying. Why, what makes you say that? I just, I think they wanted to see how Getty would react if he was put into a starting role. Just in case they want to entertain the idea of moving Doug Jamison before the trade deadline.
2: You're, you're playing, you're playing the role of medium ever here. You're doing your job trying to read between between the lines. Well,
1: Uh, I, you know, I've, I've been, I've coached a little bit of lacrosse in my day, you know, and I just, I don't know. You know, you're. You're in a situation where you want to win games, but you probably know where you're at in the standings and where the the future of this year is going to go. And I, I just honestly, I think it was an opportunity to give Getty a start, have a look. As far as the whole reset for Doug, like I don't think Dougie needs a reset. I think Doug's just fine. I yeah, think he's fair. better than um, fine. I, I think the the roster in front of him is not fine, and they knew that coming in with. All the changes offensively, they got a buttload of draft picks and, and first-rounders that are going to come into their lineup. I think they knew there was going to be some pain this year in, in Albany, but it's going to be a real quick turnaround. And if you're going to do it, I think this is the way to do it. Just dive head first in for a year, and you can change things around pretty quick.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Um, for, for Georgia, it's nice to see them put a couple together. As everyone's been saying this entire season, like they're not as bad as their record. Now they have two wins against the same team. Their next opponent here is gonna be Rochester. So, but I'm really curious to see now what their mindset looks like heading into this Rochester game, now having won two in a row? Like, do they look like a different team, or do they kind of fall back into the shell of themselves?
1: We'll find out in quarter number four. got to pick it up here a little bit, Tino. We still have two games to get through. Saskatchewan goes into Panther City. It was forever Texas night or whatever it was going to. Panther City wearing uh, some Lone Star jerseys. And this Panther City bunch, Santino, I... They're making me a believer, man. Like, this is Saskatchewan coming in, and sixteen ten. 10 Like, uh, you don't see the rush kind of get manhandled like that uh, very often. And that was a real – they put up seven in the fourth quarter and just go away in this one, and Saskatchewan didn't really have the answer. PCLC is for real. Yeah, uh you can say that again. Uh those jerseys, uh I originally
2: said I couldn't stand them. Seeing them on the floor, I completely did a 180. Jack. I think they looked unbelievable. Donville with another casual 7 uh points that is not goals. Uh Will Malcolm with another casual 8 points, like not a big deal, you know. Um huge game in the standings for Panther City. I mean, for Saskatchewan as well, but yeah. With with Colorado having a bye week, this was a massive game in the standings for Panther City and they took advantage of it. They looked like a dominant team, especially in the fourth quarter like you said, and now they find themselves in third in the West. Like talk about taking advantage of a huge opportunity.
1: Third. Uh, you know, you, you got San Diego 7 and 2, Calgary 7 and 4, Panther City seven and five. They've gotten to seven wins here, right? And what's going to get you in nine and nine should really probably do the job here. But now you're looking at Saskatchewan and Colorado, both sitting at five and five, obviously two games in hand here, but they got to win those games that they have in hand. And then Las Vegas, just one win behind that. Like it, The West is going to be absolutely bonkers coming down the back half here because a really good lacrosse, like four making it in the West and then one really good team is, it could be the, can you imagine the defending champions not getting into the playoffs the final year could happen, could happen. We'll see. I'm here for it. Buckle up. Uh, One more game to go. It happened yesterday and more kind of, groundbreaking stuff here out of the National Cross League as they go a little Eli and and Peyton Monday night football or Thursday, Monday night football style <laughs> with uh an NLL watch party. I was lucky enough to be invited into to the party, if you will, here Tino for a little bit in the fourth quarter. But Teddy and Pat did a, a great job. This is a, a new kind of undertaking here for the league and I thought it came off pretty well and you know, a different way to to watch the game here with uh, Pat and Teddy kind of chatting to people and guests and watching the game themselves. All the while, you're, you're you know you're kind of distracted, but you're not. You're entertained, but you know you're still watching the game. It was kind of neat. I liked it.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I mean, we and you were talking off air before we got on here. As I really hope they keep doing this. Like, I hope they do this more. It, it was such a cool uh experience i mean like we've all been a part of watch parties like in in our group chats and stuff if you guys if people want to hang out like on camera and stuff like it's that's not necessarily a new thing but to have it on tv and to have such a casual viewing party with teddy and pat just kind of hanging out and obviously they had some prepared stuff with guests and and prepared questions and stuff but for the most part it seemed very casual very chill a really cool environment for people that don't know guys like yourself teddy pat like ashley docking and so on to be able to watch a game in a setting where it's just kind of like the viewer is hanging out with you guys yeah is such a cool thing um and the other thing about it that i thought was really funny it happened like three or four times during the broadcast was it was like pat was in the middle of, of like a, a important relevant thought <laughs> And then somebody would score and Teddy would start laughing and yeah. <laughs> just completely stop Pat yeah. like mid-sentence.
1: Poor patches, poor patches. And yeah, <laughs> oh, I mean, so there, there was a few audio hiccups, like some feedback with Benny and then the, the audio wasn't quite synced up in a couple places. So there was a bit of talking. But, you know, for a first trial run and a first go at it, I, th- I thought it was pretty cool. And, and you're right. there There does need to be more of that, but they also kind of have to balance that, right? You don't want to, overkill you found this new cool thing you don't want to just ram it down people's throats it kind of needs to be like a once a month or you know a special game or whatever the case is you just like you want to do it but you don't want to overdo it you know what i'm saying
2: totally i i just think it's a really i completely agree with you you don't want to oversaturate it um i but i do think it was a really cool way to show off some personality of some people that don't necessarily like viewers don't necessarily get to See like a casual, a super casual pat, or a super casual teddy, or yourself, or whoever, and even some of the players as well. We got to see Ryan Benesh with his with his son with him. Yeah. I thought it was such a cool thing for a viewer to to get to experience. Yep,
1: yeah, totally, and uh, I think it went over pretty well as well. Eleven ten, Philadelphia wins this game and go two and zero on the weekend and put themselves right into the playoff conversation here and do it over a Toronto Rock team that was feeling pretty good about themselves Tino. Another low scoring game here under 22 goals, but Philly again with Mitch Jones in their lineup look like a completely different offense here. Higgys doing his thing, the defense is coming together and Philly's kind of looking like a new team after this past weekend.
2: Yeah, breath of fresh air for Philly. Toronto just was way too perimeter. They just couldn't get into the middle at least enough they did start to at the end like they mounted their comeback it was a tie game and then who else blaze reardon the guy that we've talked about so much in terms of the heart and soul of this team ends up getting the game winner and that ends up being the difference but yeah just too much too much outside for toronto
1: uh and i don't know i mean looking back at it i took toronto in both those games tino and looking back maybe that was a little too much to ask out of the toronto rock who are still in a really good position, playoff, you know, standings wise, and all the rest of it, and and to try and play two in a weekend and and go on the road for the second and have it be a weird kind of Monday game, maybe that was a little much to ask of the Toronto Rock to, to beat Philadelphia and go two and zero. So, I don't think that loss there for for Mattis, Sawyer and company is is going to affect them or disturb them a whole lot. Yeah, they should like to win that one, but. I don't think they're going to lose too much sleep over the fact that they didn't.
2: Yeah. No, I, I think you're bang on there.
1: Well, thank you. Um, let's saddle up, partner. It's time to head for the Stampede Stables. No! 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 My beb- God. Gor-
2: I can't believe other people don't get to experience the visual. It's criminal. <laughs> nay, nay, nay. nay
1: I'm dying. I'm a dying horse. Nay. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the Stampede Tack stables, brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. If you're going to ride a horse, you need a good boot to do it in. You can get cowboy boots at Stampede Tack. We know this. You can get all types of boots at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Hop online, check them out. Endless Selection, Ariat, Workhog, Blundstone. They got them all. Stampede.ca, where you can head out there to the Dale of Clover. They've been there since 1966, Highway 10 and 180th. You can't miss it. Boots galore at Stampede Tack. Stampede Stallions of the Week, Santino. Who's yours? It's pressure on this one. Uh, because
2: uh, I apparently we're fighting for Patch's approval here.
1: Yes, so, uh, a
2: little bit. I just uh, I more or
1: less want him to say that I'm better than you is essentially what I'm hoping happens here. But we'll, we'll
2: see. see because I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with my pick and I did a little bit of research here because uh, when I saw these numbers I just, I wanted to back it up a little bit. So, uh, right off the bat, I'm going with Zach Higgins goaltender for the Philadelphia wings who all last last night watching this game or last night at the night of recording, when everyone's listening to this, it'll have been two nights ago, um, their game against Toronto. I was thinking, man, Zach Higgins looks like he is in one and he's stopping so much. And the defense was giving him a lot of really good looks there. Keeping Toronto to the outside a ton, but he was making a lot of these like flashy saves as well, where he's like swinging his arm up in this windmill kind of, kind of formation. And he's falling on his back doing the snow angel and so on. But, Overall, he had 96 saves over the two games this weekend, which is unreal. So when I saw that, I wanted to look back and see of the teams this year that have played two games, this season that have played two games in one weekend, I wanted to see what kind of numbers goaltenders were putting up in those two games. So there are, what I got here? One, two, three, four, five. There's six total, including Philadelphia this weekend. Mm. The closest one to 96 saves by Zach Higgins this past weekend was Christian Del Bianco. He put up uh, 89 in Calgary's two game yeah, performance. You really did some research this Yeah, I'm weekend. trying to impress Patches here. You know, okay. you're making me work for this one. But I, I, I just, Yeah,
1: okay, keep going.
2: Nick Daymood had 61 when Panther City played two. Halifax, they split it between Hill and, and Hutchison, 79. Uh, Matt Vince had 88. Dylan Ward had 77. And then... uh Christian Del had 89 in Calgary's two games. So Zach Higgins in the two games had, has had more saves than any other goaltender that had played two games this season. And they weren't all just easy saves. He had a lot of really flashy ones as well. And I think absolutely backstopped his team to a two and weekend, which as we're very aware is really hard
1: to do. Suck it, Jake. Are you done? Are you done? <laughs> Okay, listen, um, I hate to do this to you, Tino, but there is no way that you're going to win this week, and I'm about to tell you why. Uh, first off, honorable mentions going out to one Mitchell Jones of Mitch Jones Real Estate Royal LePage Sterling for 21 points in two games and two Philadelphia wins. Easily could have given it to Mitch Jones this week. Um Honorable mention to one Robert Sato Williams for his wardrobe on Saturday afternoon on the Las Vegas bench. That almost earned him a stallion of the week right there. Uh, double honorable mention to, to ladder guy who <laughs> went down hard at work uh, trying to get the shot and, and hung in there and, and went down. We hope ladder guy is okay. Maybe Cam Holding. We'll know. But my stampede stallion of the week is one Joel Felt, who pulled off the biggest broadcast in NLL history with, I don't know, like 18 different cameras, spider cam, outdoor, the elements, everything. And Tino, I'm sorry to say, but if you think Patty Patches Gregoire is going to pick your stallion over his boss at the National Across League offices. You're crazy. So I'm sorry you're not going to win this week, but Joe Feld is my stallion of the week. Welcome to the stable, Zach Higgins and Joe Feld. And uh, I'll just give myself a little pat in the back because I already know that patches will approve mine more than yours.
2: (laughs) Boo. That's it. What else do you want to say? You're
1: living (laughs) in a reality on live air here. So I I just want the. the Okay. You know what?
2: Okay. Uh, I definitely thought about choosing Mitch Jones. I'll just say. Um, But then I was like, uh, he's one of the sponsors. That kind of seems like uh, (laughs) that's kind obviously he could have won one, but I was like, that seems like an easy way out. Uh, I legitimately thought about camera guy, but I was like, no, I'm trying to be serious here. I'm trying to do, do some research here. Of course you pick. (laughs) <laughs> the boss and the guy that is such a
1: cheap. Way <laughs> oh, it out. is so cheap, but I don't even care. Plus, I kind of think he deserves it anyway. So, uh, tough, tough break this week. Try better next week, Tino. But uh, those are our Stampede Stallions of the week. And that is quarter number one here on Lax Class 225. Let's take a quick break. And on the other side, it's the coordinator of special projects and defender for the San Diego Seals. Cam Holding is next here on Lax Class. This
2: is Ryan Lee, and you're listening to
1: Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into quarter number two, which is brought to you by Rycor Construction. And at Rycor Construction, what do they do, Tino? They uh, make it stand out. Thank you very much. That means the advertising is working. If that has been ingrained into your brain now, Tino. At RICOR they make it stand out. You can prove that to yourself if you go to Instagram or Facebook at Rycor Construction, Inc. Or their website, www.rycorconstruction.ca. Uh, give them a call at 604-751-1534 or info at ricorconstruction.ca if you've got any questions, concerns, or anything. Uh, interior, exterior renovations, Ricor Construction, they'll make it stand out. And I didn't mention it in quarter number one because I wanted to wait to talk about Ricor Construction. And you may wonder why that is, Tino, that I didn't announce who one week 14 of who you got. Well, it's none other than Ryan from Ricor who goes a perfect seven for seven. The man is some kind of fired up Tino. you know, he was bouncing around his house last night, sending me explicit texts. He is fired up that he is week 14's who you got champion. Uh, going a perfect seven for seven. Had Philadelphia on the Monday. How about wow. it? New horse noise, maybe. Well, yeah like he's already he's already given us the horse noise so i can't uh i can't ask him to do another one it might be the best one of them all as well is uh pretty impressive stuff there what else was impressive was the first ever professional lacrosse game played outdoors down there in san diego is all pull my tongue from my cheek here, is uh, the coordinator for special projects. I think I got that right. He's also a defender for the San Diego Seals, making his debut here on Lacrosse Classified. Cam Holden, welcome to Lax Class, man. How's it going? It's going great, man. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for doing it, man. And uh, sorry you had to endure that two minutes before we actually <laughs> got you there. But uh, I'm assuming you're uh, kicking back down there in in SoCal. I know uh, you and the boys played a, a round of golf at Torrey Pines yesterday after the big game. Maybe we should start there, Cameron. Uh, what was uh, what was the total after 18 holes at Torrey Pines yesterday? Well, I
0: had 16 great holes, two bad ones, got me to a 90. So. You know, not, not terrible, definitely not my best, but uh, ultimately it was great. We had a handful, handful. We had probably about 10, 10, 12 guys out there from the team, and then a couple other people in the community. We had 20 golfers total. So it was just great to get out, uh, especially after the chaos of last week, and obviously celebrate a win, but just get out on Tory and, um, you know, enjoy a round of golf. I had my dad down too. It was his first time playing, and um, what, yeah, a great experience for all the fellas to get out together. What Gavit shoot? Good question. I didn't ask. Him. I just know. I just know that Steve hits his three wood straight down the middle. 25. Well, he's out there now. Every time
1: he's out oh, there. Yeah, he,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm curious to know if the if the adrenaline has worn off from the events of the weekend. Uh, obviously, it from our perspective, it seemed like it all went off. Uh, you know, without a hitch, you guys got the win you were looking for. But the event as a whole. Like, uh, how do you recap the weekend? Uh, have you have you come down from the high of the whole thing yet?
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> post game, I was just completely exhausted. Um, so it, the I was gone immediately after that game, um, it, it was a pretty fantastic experience. And honestly, there was some obviously with the Seals, there's just really good people in all of our departments working on things like this game. Um, and, you know, we tried to do the game at Miramar before COVID and we've always tried to do a little bit more, a little bit of extra. We played the game in Vegas before that franchise was announced. So, um, you know, our team's always looking to do a little bit more. And, you know, with Steve uh, leading the way and some really good people behind them and our AGM, Sean Walsh and, you know, guys like Westberg, Jake Govett, pretty much everybody in our front office. They, they did a really fantastic job pulling off a pretty cool uh, game. So. It was really fun to play in, and it was fun to to play in that knowing all the work that went into it.
1: Well, yeah, welcome back here a bit, Cam, because you were a big part of this as well. I know it was kind of Steve's vision, and, and he's had a few different ideas that haven't really come to fruition. But when when you finally you know figured it out that Snapdragon was going to be the locale and this is what was going to happen, tell me – you know, the amount of time that it took to kind of plan all this and, and then execute that plan. And you were a large part of this behind the scenes. So I don't want to, you know, you to kind of put the shine on everybody else. I want you to take a little yourself here. Um, this was a lot of work and a long time coming and, and a lot of things had to go right for it to be successful.
0: hundred percent. There was uh, there was a ton of work on the back end that went into it. Like, like you said, uh, you know, I had a pretty big role in a lot of the back end stuff. Um, one of the biggest pieces to overcome was the board system, right? So we didn't anchor, we weren't allowed to anchor anything into the ground. So that in itself when you've got, you know, guys like Brody Merrill running full speed, Trey Leclerc, <laughs> or, Leclerc full speed into the boards. Or a guy in a ladder, gotta, a
1: guy in a ladder uh, up like, in the <laughs> <laughs> the cameraman
0: he's safe the cameraman okay good okay.
1: we were looking for an update on this guy he's okay i'm glad yeah, he's, he's okay He's okay, okay. Good. I,
0: I was on the bench when it happened and i had a glance over i saw him get up checked his lenses and he kept shooting so thankfully he was fine but good. that was like one of the biggest uh i guess concerns leading up to that event and thankfully uh we worked with a company called sports resource group out of minnesota the owner's name's chris girton um, the guy is—he's all time. He's just a fantastic Midwestern guy. Um, the, his structure obviously it held up for our whole game. And essentially, you can buy two different systems. The one that was at the Mohegan Sun yeah, uh, a few yeah. years ago—that's what it that was like. actually. Yeah, so that was anchored into the ground, and our system was not. So basically, after every eight foot panel, there's a two foot triangle bracing panel, and you fill that with water. And um, I don't know if it necessarily needed it to support uh, our guys, but it certainly helped keep the whole system stable. And I think it did a fantastic job, um, obviously getting the turf out there and laid out. Um, Steve brought in his nephew from, from Denver. His name was Matt Minona, Uh, and he kind of helps run the conversion crew at, well, oh, I guess not Pepsi center, but now ball arena. Yep. Um, so, I mean, he was fantastic to have there on site and, uh, making sure everything gets pulled off. Uh, the way it should be so I, I
1: gotta ask about this Cam, because well i don't know i don't know if you can put a dollar amount on what was invested <laughs> into to making all this happen but the one thing that kind of took me back when i when i first realized it was no netting in behind the nets and you know those end zone stands weren't that far away from the playing surface and i was like Oh boy, this could get real, real quick here. I I know there was probably no work around there, but was that a a big concern for you guys? Uh, It was something that we had talked about.
0: And, you know, we actually built the whole system in the parking lot of Snapdragon the week leading up to the event um, just to troubleshoot all those things so that we didn't have any room for error in those 11 hours that they had to put the system up. And we just, we didn't think that we needed it. We had, and it was far enough set back and, you know, really, you got Casey Jackson and Mac O'Keefe are the only two guys that we had kind of discussed with that low to high shot. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, they'd have to miss the net by quite a bit for that to do some damage. And if you watch the game, any bounce shot or shot that ricochet, like, it, it kind of dies yeah. a one on that turf, just because of the plastic that was under the turf, but the boards and and frankly, we just have really good shooters in our league. And um, you know, that wasn't really a huge concern, but it was something that we discussed.
1: Okay. Now, financially, are you allowed to divulge what went into making this game come, pull <laughs> off here? Or are you allowed to do that? I don't know. I'm not,
0: I'm not going to say a dollar amount because I don't even know, but I will say that our owner, Josai, is committed to growing this game and we should all be very thankful that he's involved in our sport. Yeah. Um, I do know that, you know, he puts a lot of, time energy and clearly money into making events like this happen so that our sport can have that chance to grow and after the game he treated you know vegas families and friends seals family and friends we had a post-game party that was all taken care of by him and um you know i'm just i'm so fortunate to work with steve and for guys like Steve and Joe that are just so committed to growing this game and this sport and yeah. I think that we did that this weekend or this last weekend with the stadium show down there.
1: Yeah. I you know, I had a chance to meet Joe very, very briefly in in Las Vegas when the exhibition game went down and You know, Steve introduced me to him quickly and I just, that was the one thing I just I just was like, thank you for everything that you do. And that was, that was, that was literally it. Like, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And, and on you go. But uh, Tino, you're up.
2: Yeah. Now that you had a couple days to, to kind of relax from the event and look back at everything since Basically, the the final buzzer went the thing that everyone's been talking about now is like, where's the next one going to be? Who's going to be in it? <laughs> How is it going to be done? And so on and so on. But I'm wondering from your perspective, because we've already talked about you having such a huge hand in this one and making it so successful. Has, has it kind of dawned on you yet that, you know, when these next games come up, these next outdoor games, whenever they happen, you're going to be a huge part of this history. like you you helped create the very first one ever. has that has that dawned on you yet?
0: Um, not really. I mean, in my eyes, we ultimately just pulled off the game outside, and I think that there's some really cool opportunities that still present themselves down the line. And if we have the opportunity to be a part of that, um I would be very excited to participate. I know we've <laughs> today I went into the office and we were already talking about some really cool hypothetical situations for games, but um the way that the NLL works is kind of limited because you're in the middle of winter so we're gonna have to get creative for any future games we do want to pull off and uh I mean I don't I, I don't foresee us playing a game in Sask or Calgary in the middle of winter so the one thing about San Diego and we were we were very uh fortunate this this winter is that um you know, the weather is typically pretty consistent. So yeah. um, that kind of a, eliminated a little bit of that risk factor, although we did get hit with a bunch of rain this winter. So had us a little shaky there a month out. But um, yeah, that's the one easy part with San Diego is you can pretty much bank on the weather being relatively decent for the game like that.
1: No question about us. We speak with Cam Holding, coordinator of special projects. I'm not exactly sure what your your day-to-day... You know, in the office looks like Cam, but I, I'll just say this: like if you need an assistant to the the coordinator <laughs> of special projects, I I am ready and willing to to be like your assistant. I will do that. All right, perfect. Let's turn our attention to the game here, and and maybe the the season as a whole. Actually, before we do that, Cam, like I, I was reading a, a story on on NLL dot com. I think that Anna Taylor wrote about you when. You know, you were coaching Michigan State and and you'd just done your knee at Team Canada tryouts and you're kind of preparing your brain to walk away from the game. And and then the opportunity to, to, to go to San Diego came and, and things really kind of changed for you. And your your passion and your fire kind of got reignited a little bit. You know, for for the people that haven't read that article, maybe walk us through that time in your life and your career where you really had to you know, get to the crossroads and make a tough decision.
0: Yeah. It was an interesting time in my life. Um, you know, I had, I was playing in Colorado. I had just got married. My wife and I had just built a house in Michigan right down the road from her family, my family, and, um, went to, I had been coaching at Michigan state for two years already. Uh, went to team Canada tryouts in 2017, tore my ACL. And then I was like, you know what? that recovery process for any of the guys, I always reach out to guys that get serious injuries in the league because I've been through it and it, it just sucks. And it takes a mental toll on you. Um, but coming out on the other side, you, you can get through that process and find a new love and a new drive for the game, which is ultimately what I ended up doing, um, coming through that recovery process. And I thought I was going to retire and just coach and Patrick Merrill gave me a call and, once I was done that phone call, I was like, you know what? I will literally do anything for this man. And I'm forever thankful. He called me. So he gave me the call. I played one season for the seals. And then obviously I talked to Steve and he was like, Hey, we've got an opportunity for you for, for work down in San Diego. And, you know, he kind of just laid everything out for me and I was like, Holy shit. Like this sounds, this sounds amazing. Like I'm in. And uh, again, just surrounded by amazing people that want to do good and do good things for the sport so um yeah i moved here three years ago my wife and i just bought a place last april and san diego's home now
1: yeah tough tough choice between uh michigan and and san diego or (laughs) um (laughs) i know you got family and all the rest of it yeah yeah
0: it's you know, built a whole life there. I had a business there that I had sold. We had just built a house. We were talking about a fam, like starting a family, and all those things. So there was some pretty big decisions that kind of got pushed to the the back burner for us to do this. And God bless my wife for taking the leap with me. So
2: now, talking about your guys, your guys, well, I guess the last couple seasons really with you guys picking up Dane Doby Dane Doby the previous off season and then this season, you guys get. Kevin Crowley and Curtis Dixon, it feels like every off season, the past few, at least it seems like the narrative is, is the seals are loading up and they're loading up to get Brody Merrill, his NL championship. Uh, and, and it's, it really seems like that's a storyline coming into every season from your perspective. Is there any truth to that? Like, do you guys, do you guys feel that as any motivation in the room or, or is that not even really, really a factor to you guys at all?
0: I would say like, Sure. You're crazy if you don't think there's motivation. Like Brody is one of the – he is the all-time great, right? And he's been around for so long and he hasn't got it. If you go down the locker room and the people that are in our room, Patrick, and you go ask Brody, all they care about is winning. And the purpose is irrelevant. You know, we all play this game. We don't play to you – know, we play to win for a team, to bring a championship to a city. And, you know, that's why everybody's playing. Um, that I think would be a cherry on top for sure. And I know that's something that Brody, again, like that's what we're all chasing. So I assume that's what um, he wants. And I think that that would close out his just incredible career. Um, So yeah, I mean, there's certainly some added motivation to that, but uh, yeah, we just want to win games. That's it. And Patrick, he's he's a winner. He's proven it at uh, every level he's participated in. And um, that's kind of the culture he's created
1: well and and with that cam like you know you you bring in a bunch of superstars here and sometimes it can work and sometimes it can and sometimes it takes a little time for for guys to kind of figure out how to to make it work it seems like san diego's in a pretty good spot right now you, you're sitting at seven and two you're atop the west here um, but the one area I think that has been a bit of a bugaboo or, or maybe a potential concern has been in goal not that you don't have the goaltending to get it done I'm just not sure you know which goaltender is going to do it for you do you guys think about that or what's the vibe in the locker room there do you just kind of leave the goalies alone and let them figure it out
0: yeah I uh Again, I don't think that's a thing that we really think about. In my mind, we were very fortunate to have two incredible goalies in our locker room. And, you know, Frank started the season and then Chris came in to relieve him one night and he played well. And so we rolled with Chris for a bit. Chris started last Saturday and Frank came in. And and so they kind of I guess they complement each other well. And, you know, obviously, when you have two competitive goalies like those guys, Um, It helps drive both of them forward, which ultimately makes the team stronger. So um, I don't think it's something we're that concerned about. I certainly know it's not. There's definitely no ill will feelings from one to the other. And again, everybody just wants to succeed. And you had brought up having a bunch of superstars on the team and um, it's funny because I've been on the receiving end of Dane Doby, Curtis Dixon my entire career, right? Like yeah. my first seven years were in Colorado, six of the years we lost to Calgary round one of the playoffs. Yeah. And uh again, those guys just want to win. And I you know, I, I did not like those guys for so long <laughs> being on the opposite <laughs> team, but like the character that they bring to our room, the leadership skills, and just the level of care and attention to detail for the team. Um, It's something I admire and I'm very thankful that I've had the opportunity to play with those guys on the same team.
2: Um, Going back to the the outdoor game now for a second, we've already talked so much about how big of a factor you played off the floor and getting it all set up, but you also had a game to play in and and to prepare for. What was that like for you having to to switch modes going from, you know, organizer and planner and wearing that kind of hat to suiting up and having to prepare for, for a big game for you guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, similar to playing in, in a game you do, uh, you know, when I coach at Michigan State, yeah, you do all your preparation during the week. And if you do your preparation right, then everything in the moment should kind of take care of itself. And um, as I said earlier, we had a lot of really good people involved in that conversion crew in the middle of the night and guys like Sean Walsh working his bag off in the middle of the night. And Steve was there at one in the morning. And um, so we did a lot of that work prior and then when it came to everybody kind of knew the role responsibility and everybody executed to put on that fantastic event
1: and then what was it like to actually play in the game outdoors cam like it you know it was a little high overcast to begin with but then the the sun started to peek through and then the you know the shadows were creeping across the floor at, at certain points what was i know you've played some field across before obviously but what yeah. was it like playing box across outdoors in the sunshine in San Diego?
0: It was incredible. And uh, even after the game, you know, I was talking to Grizzo and Tor and all the guys that you know were on the team in previous years. And everybody was just like, you know, what a fantastic experience. And um, it was pretty cool. You're playing in there. You got a great sound system. You got scoreboards. There's light, like the dasher boards on the outside everywhere. Obviously, the sun started peeking out. We had a heck of a crowd. Um, They were loud. I know Vegas brought in a ton of people and then playing in that building. Snapdragon Stadium is brand new. And, uh, you know, it was was a pretty cool stadium to play that game in. But obviously knowing it's the first ever outdoor uh, box lacrosse game that made it even that much more special. So
2: now we're coming off the outdoor game. So cool. We just last night, or at least at the time of recording last night, there was an NLL watch party where we got to see Pat Gregoire and Teddy Jenner on the broadcast, hanging out a really casual and cool event We're we're seeing all of these cool events in the national lacrosse league come up. What do you think should be next for, for the league?
0: I mean, next as with any major sport, you know, we've got to get a a solid deal for linear television. I think that's kind of like the next step for us. And we're doing all the right things with regards to broadcasts and all the people that we've kind of surrounded our teams and our league with. And I think just taking that next step towards uh, professionalism on linear broadcasts would be huge. I think that would be fantastic. And uh, I think it would really help elevate our sport to a new level. And I think Again, having Joe involved, we've seen, you know, a lot of this progress happen in the last few years, which has been really cool to see. And uh, as long as we keep working hard and I mean, heck, our players are getting younger, they're getting faster, they're more athletic and our product is only going to continue to get better. So um, it'll be exciting to see where the National Lacrosse League can go over the next few years. Man, that's a
1: good answer, Cam Holding. It might be one of the best answers I've ever heard on this podcast. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> um, all right. One more here from me. And uh, you got those no good, dirty, rotten Saskatchewan rush this week. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Cammy, but uh, one and one on the year so far between the two of you?
0: One and one on the year, and, uh, yeah, the first one was a pretty epic comeback. I, I recall that, quarter, so. uh, yeah,
1: Mr. Superman getting the OT winner there, and then That's Saskatchewan, right. a little re- low payback. Uh, but this one here, I guess, is going to decide the season series, and those are pretty important when it comes to the end of the year here. You guys have been riding a pretty good high. Uh Going into Sask is never an easy task, though.
0: No, agreed. Uh, They're a tough team. And I mean, their last two games, I think they came off a loss, Vancouver and then last week to Panther City. So, um, you know, they're going to have a sour taste in their mouth. They're going to be looking to bounce back. And uh, this is the time in the season where these these games have uh, a pretty big impact on the standings and for that playoff push. And I know they're kind of sitting in that spot now where they might even be in the fifth spot in the West right now. Um, so it's got pretty pretty big implications for them and for us to kind of keep our footing at the top of the West.
1: Yes, it does, and yes, it will. Uh, Cam Holding, awesome job here on Lax Class Men uh, for your first time. Uh, just a heck of a job to you and the entire crew there with San Diego and everybody with the league pulling off uh, the first ever outdoor game. It was uh, exceptional to watch and, and see play out. And good luck with uh, San Diego and, and the purple and gold there the rest of the way here uh, as we work our way towards playoffs, my man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. We appreciate you. That was Cameron Holding of the San Diego Seals, coordinator of special projects, Santino. I need a job like that.
2: Yeah, don't we all? We, we've we talked so much about the outdoor game on this episode. Obviously, we haven't even touched on the jerseys they were wearing. Oh, was, my goodness. They were uh, so
1: cool, man. First thing I did was text Steve. I said, You got yourself a fan of those jerseys, right? And he (laughs) says, I thought you might like those. I thought you might like that. I said, uh, no, no. I love those, uh, Steve. I love them. So, yeah, that that was pretty cool. Uh, They look great. And so did the outdoor game. Thanks to Cam Holding. Uh, It's time for halftime here, Tino. And then we got Lax Class Locks. And who you got? It's all coming up here on EP 225. Stick with us on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network
2: associated labels and packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service with 40 years of experience an extensive product catalog and an ever-growing fleet of equipment associated labels and packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level This is NLL Hall of Famer Paul Gates. You're listening to
1: Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back. Halftime is over. We're into the third quarter. This is Lacrosse Classified. I'm Jake Elliott. That's Santino Ferro. And here in quarter three, we got lax class locks coming right up. But before that, I want to make sure. I tell you to please review and uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you may be listening right now, Spotify, Google, Apple. Wherever you're hanging out with our podcast, hit that five-star review and uh, subscribe. Smash that subscribe button uh, for the podcast, please. And then give us a follow on social media, at Ferretino. I'm at PXB for sports show is at laxclass on Twitter, at Lacrosse Classified on Instagram. We've got a Facebook page and the email address. If you need to get a hold of us through the old school email, you can do that at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. A big thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging, by the way. They've been with us since day number one, and they are the best in the business when it comes to labels and packages. Just reading something on the website just the other day that if you want to take your business to the next level in 2023, as a business owner, you need to know the importance of standing out in a crowded market. And one of the most important ways to do that is through eye catching label design. So, bold and bold colors and patterns that's what catches the people's eyes. Let the people at Associated Labels and Packaging help you out with that. Visit them at associatedlp.com. Tino, it's time. I'm turning the keys over to you this week, brother. It's time for Lax Class Locks.
0: It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time,
1: you're wrong 48% of the time. I my declare. Big luck, all right. Wax Class Locks brought to you by Cool Bet Canada. Uh, two for three on the parlay last week, Tino. Very close, but not close enough. Uh, if you're new to the podcast or have not yet signed up to Cool Bet Canada, please do so. But when you do, before you make your first time deposit, put in the bonus code LAX class. One word, bonus code LAX class, what that'll do is it'll get CoolBet to match your first-time deposit up to $200. So if you put in 200, CoolBet will simply give you $200 for putting in the word LAX class in the bonus code section. I don't know how much easier you can get with that, Seems like a pretty good way to get free 200 bucks to me. Bonus code is Lax Class. Uh, once you do that and you happen to make a wager on a National Lacrosse League game, don't forget to screenshot that bet. Tag CoolBet and LAXCLASS on Twitter and get entered in to win NLL tickets and CoolBet swag. Perro has done this. Rob Josie has done this. Brandon Kachuk has done this. We're into March now, and somebody here in the month of March, simply by screenshotting their NLL bet and tagging LaxClass and Cool Bet on Twitter, will win NLL tickets and Cool Bet merchandise, if it in fact does exist, Tino. Because we, me, you, the proud hosts here of Lacrosse Classified, willing, ready, and able to rep the cool bet brand with some merchandise that we were promised still has not arrived at my doorstep. What are we going to do about this?
2: Okay. So I have an idea. I was thinking about this today um, because last week, uh, I'm pretty sure it was last week uh, was patches uh, birthday mm. and a picture popped up on Twitter of, uh, of one young Pat, in his I believe minor lacrosse days grit grinder uh, team, I'm looking at it right now team picture uh with the with the sweet hair the puka shells Oh shell and necklace, the puka shells which yeah. is unreal I believe that I believe that's an orange crusher shaft I think <laughs> if if I'm seeing that correct everybody had one of those yeah, it looks like was, the wizard was head. up with
1: with fiberglass in my orange crusher uh shape.
2: and <laughs> <laughs> and those old gate gloves so what I was thinking okay because uh, we're having such a hard time getting a T-shirt, getting a hat, you mm. know, getting anything from uh, from our, our boy patches. There, I might take this picture and put it on a T-shirt myself. Oh, and just start wearing it around. Okay. Um, a because I think that would be a really funny idea. But B, out of protest, um, until make, we make get our me merch,
1: one two then Santino, make me yeah. one two because. uh. Something's got to give here, man. Something has got to give. And, I mean...
2: I know I'm kind of making fun of it a little bit. Also just overall, just a sick picture that I would love to have on a t-shirt. So we all win because you and I get a t-shirt that we've been promised forever ago, but now we're making it ourselves. Um, and then also hopefully we get the message across to, uh, to Patty and, and our uh, friends at cool.
1: I feel like this week it's really going to hit home. Like I feel like we hit it pretty hard this week. The message is going to get there and, uh, Hopefully, we we see a little Quebec swag in our our mailbox in the coming weeks. Uh, Let's keep our fingers crossed on that. We'll keep our fingers crossed on this parlay as well, Tino. It is uh, your responsibility this week. Just make mental note of that, classmates. This is Tino's parlay, not mine. I have nothing to do with this, although I don't absolutely hate it. Uh, let's, uh, let's don't absolutely <laughs> hate it oh my god <laughs> let's run it down let's run it down what do you got here uh,
2: the good thing about this parlay is that uh, the first two games of the weekend uh, are on Friday night and both of those games are in our parlay so we're going to know real early uh, mm. if we're still in or if we're out I so... don't know
1: if I like that or I hate that like I kind of it's like a
2: band-aid. Yeah. if we're out we're out I but I, we're not going to be out though okay uh, so shut up about it <laughs> <laughs> uh, alright so Halifax and Buffalo we're taking the over 23 and a half. Calgary, Colorado, the other game on Friday night. I'm taking, or we're taking the under 24 and a half. Two premier goaltenders.
1: Twenty-four and a
2: half. Yeah. Yeah. The under on that one. Man, and here's gonna
1: where I don't This have is time. the one
2: you're a little dicey on, yeah. but uh we'll see. Uh Saskatchewan just a win plus one ten. I think we're gonna see a angry and desperate Saskatchewan team and uh we know that these are two teams that don't like each other at based home here, right
1: at home for the rush they do based have a win the over two games
2: this season they so. have
1: given san diego one of their two losses here this year so the more i think about this the more i don't absolutely hate it tino <laughs> so again here we got one minus 123 minus 116 plus 110 and after uh, the good folks at Cool bet get their hands on this, you're looking at probably around a plus 650, which should get you a Cool Bet return of about 150 jumbo bucks on a $20 bet here. Stay cool and bet responsibly and then uh, cash it, man, because this thing could come home as early. Well, it's only two of the, the three games here Friday night. But uh, you could be sitting pretty going into Saturday needing just one Game to to win the parley, so I don't I don't absolutely hate that. And
2: maybe we'll see as well uh, on on my my awesome T shirt idea. Mm. I don't know if you ever if if you follow uh, uh, the Danny Heatley All Star account on Twitter, but he has this <laughs> this picture on a T shirt of Danny Heatley winding up for a, for a slap shot yes. from like goal line extended. Yeah.
1: He actually <laughs> maybe
2: is... <laughs> like maybe the Lax classmates love this shirt
1: idea, and we start oh, selling well. it. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah, maybe. All right, Tino, enough of Lax Class Locks. Quarter three is in the books, which means we got one more quarter to go here on Lax Class. Quarter four, week 15. Who you got? It's all coming up. Stick with us and stay classified.
0: This is Rob Williams, and you're listening to Lax Class. Now it's time for
1: Who You Got. Welcome back to lax class into the fourth quarter we go, which means no more breaks here on the podcast, which I know people think breaks, nobody likes taking breaks, but well, unless maybe you're at work and then you like taking breaks, but not on the podcast. So no more breaks here as we're into quarter number four, which is brought to you by Mitch Jones, real estate. Talked a lot about Mitch Jones this week, you know, but we're going to do a little bit more here in quarter number four. Uh, 21 points for Mitch Jones. He was working hard back there in the city of Brotherly Love on Saturday and Monday. And uh, I'm not sure what he's up to today here on Tuesday, but probably traveling home from Philadelphia to get right back to work in the real estate market, in particular here in the Tri-Cities, Port Moody, Port Coquitlam, Coquitlam. Royal LePage Sterling is uh the, the office that Mitch works out of. But if you want to get a hold of Mitch directly, just hit him up on the cell, 604 916 6772. Or I'm sure you can find him on Instagram and Twitter and just slide into those Mitch Jones DMs. Don't be shy. If you have a place to sell or you need a place to buy, Mitch Jones Real Estate is your guy proud sponsor here on lacrosse classified as it's time for your favorite podcast game it's time once again to play your favorite podcast game who you? Who you got Who, 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 who are you? Who, 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 who? No, you kind of ruined that. <laughs> Don't get off script like that with the who, Tino. That's a classic right there. And I, I feel like you just kind of butchered it. at Going like pop, indie pop or something at the end of that. Well, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll see. Uh, Stamping <laughs> in Western where... Proud sponsors of who you got. We mentioned Ryan winning. Uh, this can be an interesting dynamic here because I, I'm quite confident we have never had one sponsor have to gift a prize to another <laughs> sponsor here, but I'm going to have to introduce Kevin and Ryan if they don't know each other yet. They're about to meet. Uh, and Ryan of RICOR is getting a, a gift from Stampede Tact and Kevin at uh, the going be a kind of an interesting email I'm gonna have to send out here. But oh, congratulations yeah. to Ryan Mills and uh Rycor Construction.
2: Second, seen the picture of the prize pack. Like it looks like a good it looks like a legitimately know. a good haul.
1: It's you telling me, man. Uh <laughs> yeah. So tell you what, you know, I, I talk a lot about boots and Stampede Tack. and uh this thing came across Danny's Instagram feed or reels or whatever and she, I guess it's like a brand that Stampede carries but she's like oh she's like, I've been looking for one of these I really want to get one of these can you see if they have it at stamp so I messaged Kevin I said hey do you got these he says no but don't worry I'll get it in for special ordered this this product for me that he's going to bring into stampede so I can get this thing for day so that's the type of guy you're dealing with when uh, when you go to stampede tack and western you need something he's going to go out of his way to make it happen for you whether it's in the store or not um Who you got week 15, Tino, man, what did you do here? You beat me Uh, by Way better than you. No, not way better. One stupid point again. You had 25. I had 24. We actually both did fairly decent in the overall standings this week. We're still... Down the list. Let's not kid ourselves here. Actually, let's get a little uh little update on the overall standings here because I think the guys at the, you know, it's one thing to win a week, that's great. But it's the guys at the top that have been getting it right all year long that I think deserve a little bit of credit here. So you got Tyler Turner, who sits atop of everybody, six points clear of second place Trevor Graham. I didn't realize uh Digger was up that high. Good for you, Trevor. Second place. He is six points clear of Jason Wittig, who is just up on Eric Ellis, who is seemingly always in the mix. He got the corporal there, top 10. Evans Brothers, top 10. And uh, unfortunately, uh, my lady Danny has slipped down to 17th, but still top 20, which is way better than me and you. Well, I did just want to quickly
2: congratulate you because you finally made it into the top eighty. So, thank you, you. Uh, great job. But I mean, I'm in the top seventy. Oh. So, congratulations! You know, you finally made it to the big boy club. Um, but uh, not quite in the top seventy yeah. yet, Have so. you
1: ever won a week of, of Stampede Tech? And
2: can we let's move on? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought.
1: All right, so you're one stupid point. You're hosting once again. We got another big slate of games here for Week 15.
2: Yeah, uh, should we kick things off then? Let's do it.
1: All right, Friday night,
2: kicking things off, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, Halifax, heads on down to Buffalo to take on the Bandits. Jake Elliott, who you got?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, rematch here, right? Buffalo goes into Halifax. They squeak out a win here. Another week of maybe potentially gaining a little healthier. I would expect Chase Fraser to make his debut into the Bandits lineup this week. And I think Buffalo being at home in Banditland is the difference here in this one. I know Halifax can be pretty desperate, but I just, like you said off the top, Buffalo finds a way to win. And I think they do that here. Give me the Bandits for a six.
2: Uh, yeah, I like what you're thinking there. I-, I think, first of all, them being in Buffalo. Second of all, if Chase Fraser is back in the lineup, Fraser and Banditland, we know how good of a combination that is. That place is going to be buzzing if he is in the lineup. I got Buffalo for a five. Uh, the other game on Friday night, a classic matchup, rivalry, if you will. Calgary mm. heads on down to Ball Arena to take on the Colorado Mammoth. Fresh off a of bye week, Jake Elliott. Who you got?
1: Yeah. Will Eli be back? Will Dutch be back? Is Robinson healthy? A lot of questions there in Denver on, on their health situation. But I'm, I'm kind of picturing a, a goaltending duel here between Delbs and Dill. And I'm I'm kind of thinking like 10-8, 11-9 sort of game here. And I'm going to take the Colorado Mammoth. But only for a three here. Because... You look at those records, and these two teams always play good against each other. Like they're always usually pretty tight games. I just think Colorado and Patcoil find a way to get one here against the Roughnecks, but oh three, Tino, just the three.
2: Yeah, uh, just I, I have the exact same as you. I have Colorado for a three. I think this is a mammoth team. I mean the overall the overwhelming theme with a bunch of these teams right now is desperation. And Colorado knows they're outside of the playoff picture right now. They're at home. Their fan base is—they're a very smart lacrosse fan base. Like they're aware of what's going on. They know their team is on the outside looking in. I think that's going to be a rock building, and I think it's going to help Colorado uh, push over the edge. So I got the mammoth for a three. Uh, let's go over to Saturday now. The first game on Saturday we have the Firewolves. Taking on the Rock home game for Toronto, Jake Elliott. Who you got?
1: Well, dear, come on now. Uh, this is my eight game, <laughs> and uh, I'm taking the Toronto Rock. I don't think I need to say much more than that.
2: Yeah. Uh, are you taking them because you you think Toronto's the better team, or because you're never going to pick Albany again for the rest of the season? Both. Okay. Both. Just just clarifying. Uh, yeah. I also got the Rock for an eight. So let's move on. Uh, the Wings. Fresh off a 2-0 weekend, they're heading over to or heading on to Long Island to take on the Riptide. Jake Elliott, who you got? I hate this game.
1: I hate this game, Tino. It's going to be my two game. You know, Philly looks so good over the weekend, but you mentioned the Riptide. You feel like they're right there. It's not far off. And and 2-9, man, look, I don't feel like that team should be 2-9. It's going to be my two game, but I'm just going to let the coin decide this one. I don't care. Heads for home team. And it is a heads. Give me the New York begrudgingly riptide, please. I think this
2: one just comes down to goaltending for me. I have a lot more confidence in uh, the in my stallion of the week, Zach Higgins, than okay, I, I do. Switch.
1: Screw the coin, Tina. I'm taking Philadelphia.
2: <laughs> That's all it took? Yeah. Still a two? Yeah, still a two. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, based on that, I got Philly. And this is my sixth pick, Ooh, actually. Okay, yeah.
1: okay.
2: Um. Okay, Saturday night as well. This is a matchup we've talked about a bunch this episode. San Diego in Saskatchewan. Jake
1: Elliott, who you got? Nice spacing on the start times this week, too, here at Tino, right? Two Friday games staggered. Then you got seven, seven thirty, eight thirty, ten thirty on Saturday night, and then we get Sunday lacrosse again, uh, which you know I love. So nice job by the schedule maker this week. Uh, where are we, San Diego and in Saskatchewan? You betcha. So here's what I'm going to do. Because we just had Cam holding on, I think it is bad karma or juju to pick against San Diego in this situation. Plus, you've taken Saskatchewan on the money line for the parlay. So I figure I'm going to do this. I'm going to take San Diego here on who you got. And if they win, then I know I win. The, you know, I get the points for it. But if they don't, then maybe the parlay comes home for the classmates. And I, I spread a little goodwill that way. So it's the old Don Taylor formula here. Tino. You know, I can't lose this game. I'm taking San Diego for a five.
2: I hate this because if uh, Saskatchewan wins, you're going to be like, yep, knew it. Never had a doubt. We get, we get a payday everybody. And if San Diego wins, you're gonna be like, yeah, I knew it. Told you guys. Tino's an idiot. Shouldn't have <laughs> yes, listened to him.
1: Yes. You know me so well.
2: Uh, so because I'm loyal to, uh, <laughs> the, the green things that machine, I bring forward, basically... I'm taking the rush
1: yeah. for a two bleed green, bleed green, <laughs>
2: Uh, All right, next game on Saturday night, 7.30 Pacific, 10.30 Eastern. Vancouver heads on down to the Strip to take on Vegas. Mm. Jake Elliott, who you got? Man, I might
1: just hop on the charter with these guys here. I don't know. Uh, Let's remember here. Vancouver's got two wins. One is against Las Vegas, but the other was against that team that you just picked in the game previous in the Saskatchewan Rush which was just played a little not last not this weekend but the weekend before. So, I'm taking Vancouver in this spot here. I think they win this game. At least I think they should win this game. They should be full of confidence after beating the Rush and proving to themselves how good they can play when they put their minds to it for a full 60 minutes. Vegas coming off a loss they're four and six. Vancouver, two. I'm taking Vancouver here for a four. All right. Um, I have Vegas here for a four. I
2: actually agree with you. I think Vancouver could very well win this game. Um, I've just been. I haven't given Vegas enough credit this year. They're I don't think really I have team. either. I don't and, think I have either. But and Landon Kells. Uh, like we've said already has looked better and better and better with each passing game, depending on who starts in this game for Vancouver, I may switch.
1: It's bold.
2: Yeah. I guess I'll just have to see how uh, how I feel closer to game time. But as of right now, I got Vegas for a four. All right. And to wrap up the weekend, like you mentioned some Sunday lacrosse, that's a one o'clock PM start time. Pacific 4. PM Eastern Rochester versus Georgia, Jake Elliott, who you got Rochester
1: for a seven just night no, yeah no, I, no <laughs> I mean seriously here we're, we're talking eight and three against two and seven Georgia got their back-to-back wins over a struggling Albany team I don't think they get past Rochester here who's gonna bounce back after a loss to Toronto now you made me do more talking than I wanted to you know but I'm still taking the Nighthawks for a seven
2: yeah, I also have Rochester 4-7. I, I, you mentioned the biggest factor for me there, Rochester coming off a loss. Uh, I think they've been good in bounce-back performances. Got to keep and, pace. Yeah, and this tough break here for Georgia because I think that uh, Rochester's going to come out swinging. So. And,
1: and after this one, like, if Georgia does, in fact, go on to lose this game, I think we we could see the the change begin down south like i think there's gonna be some pretty serious moves coming out of georgia if they they drop this one to the Nighthawks. just sit up
2: yep guess we'll see
1: all right uh we shall and uh we shall talk about it next week on lax class 226 when we return next wednesday right here on the lacrosse flash podcast network next week every week after that is we'll just keep on cranking them out but now this one is coming to a close. I want to thank Cam Holding for stopping by the podcast. That was a great conversation with him. To our fabulous sponsors, Stampy Tack, Cool Bet, Associated Labels and Packaging. Uh, who else am I missing here? Mitch Jones Real Estate and Rycor Construction, of course. And the biggest thanks always goes out to you, the classmates, for checking out Lax Class each and every week. We thank you so much. But now we got to go for Santino Farah. I've been Jake Elliott and for the fastest game on two feet for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy and stay classified.